0: How's it? This week we're joined by Brada Ross Yamasaki, Vice President at Capital Consultants of Hawaii. He's a good friend and a mentor to me, and we always end up talking stories about all kinds of stuff. We talk about UH football, tiny houses, our economy. He also serves on the Stadium Authority Board for Aloha Stadium, so we'll get into that a little bit too. Please support us by subscribing, rating us, and donating. Mahalo for joining us as we come to you from On The Rock. What's up, big man? Aloha, brother. (laughs) All right. I I strayed from protocol the last few weeks, so we'll go with protocol. So name, where are you from, and then um, give me your, your favorite UH football story. From your, my maybe
1: favorite from- UH football story. Okay.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, aloha Ross Yamasaki, Windward Side, Oahu. Family comes from Kauai. Uh Right now reside in Kaava on the Windward Side as well. Favorite UH football story. Ah. Uh, I mean, get so many, but during during my time, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> during, during my, during my time, time, I guess I. Well, during my time, I, I no, I I think the best the best memory gotta be that you know when we beat BYU, right? Yeah. Um, well, it's kind of funny, is you know I I heard a lot of people say that you know BYU didn't think of us so much as a rival as we did, but I guess the fact that they always gave us rub and never beat us, so that year was just fantastic. So yeah. that was that, that was awesome.
0: That was Garrett Gabriel was the quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. Eighty
1: nine. Yeah. 89. yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was a little too young, well, bro. I remember watching. I know, a long watching. time ago.
1: That's what I'm saying.
0: Yeah, I remember watching, but I kind of don't remember watching too at the same time. <laughs> but yeah, what was I'm the final on that one? You guys didn't bust them up, right? that,
1: that Yeah, year. I think it was 40, what, 53, 13 or something. I like wouldn't bust them up, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I can't, Because the following year, the following year, we would not beat them too, I think. That was a yeah. Denver type too, I think. so
0: Wait, but <laughs> yeah. the. F- following year what year was holiday bowl was that the 89 year holiday bowl
1: holiday bowl was 90 91 when oh we so you has
0: gone to, already I, to, I was gone already I mean yeah. I went
1: up to the game but I was not playing anymore
0: Yeah. oh okay and then yeah. after after that you went to play in Europe right after no right
1: no, after? no no no. I'm, no no I never go went to um went to Japan for the semi-pro league stuff oh um, Japan I went up with, yeah, a few guys, and then the, the team we, that brought us up was trying to get, um, get ahead of the um, limit on American D1 players and stuff, so they brought a <laughs> bunch of us, but then they went crack down, so ah, I, never get, I never get to stay. I was oh, so bomb, you never even play? Not up there, no. I oh, just stayed okay. a little while. I did a tryouts and stuff like that, yeah. And I went back to school. <laughs>
0: uh-huh. Back here. You came back and went back to school.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's when I got into the architecture program. Yeah.
0: <laughs> okay, well, let's start there. So, by trade, you're an architect, but what do you, what what do you do now?
1: So, after about twenty five years in the profession, architecture, then uh, my father in law is a long time government affairs consultant. So he needed somebody to help with the business side. So, uh, kind of retired from architecture and. Helping them with the succession plan and doing that right now. So,
0: Hmm.
1: for about the past, I think it's past six years, been doing government affairs, government relations,
0: consulting. I think when I first met you, I don't know if you remember. I think I was at Kupu. I had just gone to Kupu, but you had you were still doing work with KYA.
1: Yeah,
0: yeah. And then you guys were doing. uh, I think it was like the living building stuff. Was it that? Was that what?
1: Was it the well? We had a um, the partners there let me set up a sustainability practice, yeah, um, under the KYA, yeah, corporate umbrella. So we yeah. have the sustainability studio, yeah. So we're doing living building challenge, green building, yeah, all that, all of that good stuff.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and you do you miss that stuff now that you're not doing that? I mean, you did it for so long,
1: um, architecture side yeah i mean i did it for so long and i know you know what it's about i mean the things i'm doing now brings you know challenges every day i think in life that's the fun part right to, you you want to be challenged and do things that you you know you feel you can work towards so that's not that architecture wasn't but i mean i was doing it for 25 years so this is a little bit different yeah and the studio the studio stuff yeah that was fun that was dynamic i think uh I mean, if I got to be honest, I mean, just in my evaluation, I I think maybe we're just a little bit ahead of the, too much ahead of the time. I see. We're just kind of on the front end of that stuff. So a lot of stuff that we're talking about or trying to, you know, trying to uh, bring forward was a little bit too far away. But the people were dynamic. So that was the fun part, right? So, like I said, yeah. So I met you back then, all of our associates, I mean, everybody, you know, good people trying to do good stuff. So that's always good.
0: Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean that that I think the guys that came or the people—I shouldn't say guys because they were they were Wahinis too—but I um, mean the people that came out of that studio, I ended up working with or around like a few of them, and yeah, they they all they all I think they all had pretty good experiences at at the at the studio. But um, yeah, I always talk to you about my my tiny house, brah, That's my thing. I want a tiny house, man. <laughs> but you said you would like uh you 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 wouldn't want me to wait what's your thoughts on container houses because i mentioned a container house and you kind of was like uh better a to container? just design a house than than run a container house
1: the container house i mean the one you're talking about taking the Taking yeah, the leftover shipping containers, the country, yeah. Shipping containers, yeah.
0: And that's what I want to do, bro. <laughs> I think like move back to Big Island and have one container house. Yeah, that's that's what I want.
1: Yeah, can can. I mean, anything's possible, but uh, you know, metal and Hawaii is not the best friends. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. yeah. Look
1: at the stadium. Nothing not gonna last that long. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so if oh. it's just
1: for a temporary gig. Yeah, well, cool, we'll, we'll
0: get to the stadium in a little bit, yeah. but. I mean if you had to if you had to design a a smaller house like and sustainability is an important part of it what were what would be some of the things you you would want to make sure that you put in
1: You you talking about one tiny house trying to be off the grid or are you like
0: not really yeah. off the grid because I have I have my um my I'm hesitant about going fully off the grid but I mean I, like in Big Island if I if I did this back home more than likely it would be catchment a lot of places is catchment water right so right. that already is one part of it but then you know septic tank catchment solar power. Yeah.
1: PV solar, yeah. I mean, Hilo kind of rough though. I don't know with the rain and stuff, but still, I mean, I I, I think you would get enough. Um, they get those compact wind kind of stuff too now, and then they got those um, integrated PV stuff, right? They put them on the walls and the roof, everything. So
0: oh, on the um, walls.
1: Yeah, they make these pretty, like integrated PV systems, so it's like part of the the wall system. Kind of expensive though. I mean, I think still, you know, but as it starts to get more. Um, you know scaled out in market you know things get cheaper right yeah but yeah kind of interesting stuff
0: would you ever think about going back into the field or that's power already
1: uh yeah i think it's kind of power already (laughs) i mean i like to i mean i i consult people call me up We work on I work on, I work on you at your tiny house. <laughs> that, yeah, okay. That, that, that's the fun stuff. That, you know what I mean, that's the fun stuff.
0: <laughs> that's what I was trying to get at. That's what I was trying to get you to oh, say. Oh, is okay, that you okay. would help okay. me out uh, by asking you yeah. questions. I figure yeah. I can <laughs> get you to commit to like helping me design one. Nah, for real, bro. That's what I do on YouTube. I go down like this rabbit hole of watching all these tiny house or like, um, con- not really container houses. Some of them aren't container houses, but they're smaller houses. But yeah, it's, I mean, now I just think about it. It's the land is so expensive here, especially if I stayed here on Oahu, you're not going to get a lot of um, square footage. So you want to maximize the amount of space you have and still like for me, I couldn't have all house and no yard. That would be really terrible for me. I rather have like one small house and you know some yard if I'm gonna live on one real tiny tiny lot. So,
1: yeah, yeah. I I, I would think like um, well, Hawaii kind of lends itself to that kind of um, lifestyle because the outdoors is so much a part of, you know, your lifestyle, right? Yeah. But, I mean, I think the the hard part is yeah. You, still though, one tiny house is one tiny space, so. You gotta, you gotta be willing to kind of live that way. Yeah, um, live more outside than inside. You know, and then that's kind of, that's kind of still tough for people. They want both, right? Like yeah. the big yard and the big house.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, guess, uh, I don't know, man. It's it, with all this stuff going on. Yeah, I don't know, country, country living, like moving out where you stay out in Ava is probably nice and peaceful nowadays well it's probably peaceful anyway but even more so now right everybody's just kind of cruising
1: yeah i mean that's that's the nice part about being in the country i'm sure but yeah, like the the thing is that a lot of people are kind of moving toward that shared aspect of you know things versus ownership so um you know like work workspace sharing office sharing. Then I started even moving into like a more like living sharing kind of things. It's kind of like these uh, dormitory like things, It's more like yeah. shared spaces and subscriptions. So, so um, ride sharing, I mean, everything, right. So, um, you know, I, I think the, the younger generation, as far as their appetite to embrace that kind of ideal is a little bit, more you know like i don't need necessarily to own anything So if everything i own can fit in this tiny house and everything else is more of a shared component and i have access to access to transportation access to tools access to you know food access to all of these you know these other things then you know i'm i'm good right yeah
0: now from a design standpoint you know, with all this COVID stuff going on, your brain probably still works in that way. What do you, like, what would, how would you change the way you view design now, now that we have all these different health kind of um, issues that we have to consider in spaces?
1: That's interesting you brought that up because actually um, a really good friend of mine, and um, that's actually Eric's brother too. Oh, okay. He's in architecture school with me. Yeah, he's working on a project now, I think in the Philippines, um, was talking over some, you know, some design thoughts, but um, you know, structuring how you figuring out how you access and egress the space, finding ways that you can shift into quarantine levels. Um, you know, it's kind of come interesting, right? So, you know, how do you make it so that the bedrooms, if you get something, you can quarantine yourself with ease without. Um, having to you know make the whole rest of the family change around their whole dynamics so if you can bring that constraint into the design problem then you can maybe find a little bit more elegant solution mm. So uh, you know so yeah having balconies or outside access to every room to the outside so every room get one, one little outside Lanai or balcony yeah that you can. Uh, maybe those things are street facing too. So you can interact with the neighbors or when people drive by or they want to see you, you can kind of do so at the, you know, the safe distance while still re- remaining isolated. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Those kind of things are interesting. Um, mud rooms. We don't have them here in Hawaii, but you know, a lot of places that get snow and other stuff, right. I mean, you got, you get these little anterooms. rooms you come in, you take off all your boots, all your stuff, you know, all the junk before you come in the house. I mean, yeah. um, I got, the relatives and friends who police officers and healthcare workers, you know, they talk about coming home and just walking in a door and stripping down and, you know, going to the bathroom before they even, uh, and taking a shower before they even get to, you know, get the kids and having their, their spouse, you know, take their stuff right into the laundry, you know? So yeah. there's things like that. You know, how does, is, do you make a space that's just like that? Is there a technology with air and light and, you know, these other things that can help, you know, do like, um, you know star trek movies or whatever before you go in the lab right you shoot all the stuff on you i mean like who knows right but it's that kind of idea like we i mean we got to i mean we got to live with this i don't think we i mean aside from getting through it i think what you're bringing up is an interesting point cuz you know we, it's not going to be the same
0: right yeah and as soon as this one's done there's going to be another one that's going to come down some other later in the future that's going to have the same impact right is I don't think this kind of stuff is like a one-off. It, ha- it seems to happen throughout history. So, you know, learning yeah. from it would be the better way. Funny you talk about the spray thing. So for my work, we're working with a group of, um, they're like freshmen and middle schoolers, younger kids, but they want to create like a actual physical learning space. And one of the ideas they want is some kind of uh, spray booth that you walk into that pretty much, like disinfects you before you go back into the into the common area. I was like, well, cool. I mean, best you think of the idea and then we can figure out how to build it or if it exists later. But you know, they they have that creative creative kind of stuff. Like they still think of like things yeah, that don't exist. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean it's interesting. You I I would yeah. assume that Do you think that there's going to be like a a little boom of, um, I guess construction now, like in a lot of spaces to retrofit, especially commercial spaces to accommodate this kind of stuff?
1: That I'm not sure. I heard the, I mean, I, I think it's on the news and stuff too, but I mean, the commercial real estate, um, You know, position right now is really tough, right? Yeah. And people are kind of—I mean, they're staying at home, then businesses are suffering, so they—you know—they got to stop on rent, yeah, and all of this. And I think organizationally, a lot of or operationally, I would say, a lot of businesses are kind of rethinking teleworking and virtual meetings and all of that stuff because now they're forced to, right? So, uh, depending on how long this goes, I mean, people might get kind of used to that to some degree. Because uh, I mean, I mean, you, you're doing it, and we're doing it. Like yeah. the guys who got to work, we're trying to find a way to get through it, right? So, um, I think on the commercial side, I mean, I think just the the market's just tough right now. So our reinvestment in that side's kind of crazy. Interesting though, I heard that, uh, and I don't know. I'm not a realtor, but I somebody had mentioned to me that the um, single fo- the single family housing market is still doing okay. Yeah, and. Well, one of my friends manager at Home Depot I was, ran into him the other day. Oh they're cranking. Oh, so yeah. I think a lot of people um mm-hmm. you know are just kind of like taking the time and using some of that um some cash or some money and elbow, you know, putting in sweat equity and uh, doing investment reinvestment into improvements in their house.
0: So. Yeah. So yeah my uh, I have a I have a friend that works for a local not not one of the big box um, hardware firms but um he works for uh the company that runs uh owns a some of the aces around town Hmm. and he said crazy can i keep stuff in stock um yeah uh, it's just wild everybody's buying stuff so which is good for some of the small businesses you know like city mail ace hardware those guys but right yeah and then uh who was i talking to they're they're in real estate and they said right now it's um it's going way above asking. Like, if you wanna, if you wanna buy something, you better be able to put in above the asking point because that's that's what the market is right now. So,
1: oh well, in, inventory low.
0: Yeah, inventory low.
1: And, and everybody fixing up their house, so it's hard to like <laughs> negotiate. Everyone's houses yeah. all fixed up. And if anything, <laughs> and nice it's a,
0: probably a little bit better shaped than it was at the beginning of the year, right? Because they've been home, they can put in some time, but. Yeah. yeah it's weird i i yeah, don't know maybe
1: post maybe post covid maybe let's combine the post covid design with your tiny house idea i mean so instead of one house with rooms you just build all small tiny houses so then you can yeah. just, you just japan
0: style bro just just have all the separate rooms and you got a shoji door <laughs> and walk outside to get to each room bro <laughs>
1: So instead of sending my kids to the their room, I send them to the house. Get
0: in your house. Stay yeah, down. yeah. Go, go that way, and you just put one ring camera on the door so you know they don't leave, bro. Just camera the whole thing so you know they stay inside. No, but for um, real, like, like nowadays, you're right. I think like access to outdoor, then being able to get out outside through any room, without seeing other people might be might be like a requirement now you know like you might have to have some ways to get you know multiple ways to access a room i don't know It's, it's it's weird like hearing hearing stories of people who had to quarantine at home and basically they in their room and they getting like one prisoner brought food gets brought to the door get one knock on the door and then you can open them up and eat your food and then put the plates back outside and right. walk to the bathroom is it's nuts man but yeah. i don't know so today uh today is the eighth and they they uh updated the stay-at-home order so small businesses still kind of open um one thing you and I always talk story, we talk about all kinds of stuff, but we always talk about like business and, you know, things about Hawaii. We're very, you and I are both very Hawaii driven, which is probably why we we have such good conversations. But what do you see going forward, especially in your role? Cause you're, you're kind of close to some of the government officials. So you, you can probably, you're probably hearing stuff. Like, what do you see happening as far as like now, we already were talking about diversifying the economy coming out of COVID, but with the second wave that probably even set us further back because now some of the businesses that had a shot, they they really might not have a shot now to come up the second closure. What do you see coming out, man? Like, what, what do you think? What are you hearing?
1: Oh, I don't know. I'm just hearing it's going to be tough. I mean, right now, everybody, you know, you you kind of moving to your cash reserve to kind of just survive, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, hopefully you make it on the other end and you just start building. Uh, I, I <clears throat> You know, aside from the resource issue, uh, finance being the primary one, I think it's going to, in my mind, it's going to cause a lot of um, folks to be, you know, a lot more gritty and scrappier, business-wise than we were before
0: Mm.
1: yeah um i mean there's there's you know big organizations that they might have enough that they you know they they know they're gonna make it through but i mean i mean even the even the mid-sized companies are you know like are feeling it i mean well anything tourism industry they could be pretty big and have a bunch of employees but tourism related they're you know they're down too so i mean even after we get back or even after the COVID's resolved, I mean, it's going to take a lot of folks who, you know, just are gritty to just kind of make it happen. I mean, it's going to be a grind. I mean, let's yeah. just be real. Right. Um, so I, I think it's going to be kind of interesting to watch, um, you know, who sticks it out, you know, who's going to, who's going to run away and look for easier pastures, you know, or some, but it's tough cause it's a whole global thing. So yeah. Uh, but I, I mean, and you know, we, yeah, you know, we talk about Hawaii. I mean, part of the thing that we love ho- about Hawaii is, you know, the aloha and the aloha everybody has for each other. We hope that this pandemic doesn't erode that enough that, you know, when we gotta, when we gotta get the hands dirty and uh, get to work, you know, people do it together. So yeah, I don't know. It's 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 gonna be rough.
0: Yeah, especially I, I, some, of
1: the, some of the setbacks you know, that they brought up today. I mean, travel is gonna. they're still talking and pushing, but you know that might that might get pushed back too. So that's rough.
0: Yeah, because they're talking. I think I, I read they were still trying to see if they can open it back up in October, but I mean, I don't know. That might have to slide a little bit too. Now, I mean, we're already in almost to one week into September, right? Yeah. And This thing goes at least another two weeks. Um, well, and you,
1: I mean, you, I mean, you, you know about the travel industry and stuff too, so it's not like a light switch, right? So, even though it's yeah. allowed, it's it's gonna take up, you know, again, this everybody's gonna grind to just get it kind of moving again. Inertia is inertia is tough, right?
0: Yeah, so. yeah, I mean, some of the hotels I've talked to, um, yeah. Some of the people I know in hotels, they're not even looking at, they might, they're already looking at 2021, you know, like as the dates when they might be full on kind of rolling. Um, yeah. Some of the hotels are open, I know, because they're doing, um, some of them are housing like um, flight attendants because, you know, st- uh, crew flight crews are still flying in, right? Planes are still coming. So those guys need some place to stay. But yeah, it's going to be hard. Um, what do you think? Where do you think opportunity are uh, the opportunity is for new industry here in Hawaii? Oh, uh,
1: I don't know. That's a, that's a good question. Well, the, the designer and me would be like, well, find the need, right? Then define yeah. the problem and then, then look for a good solution. I think there's opportunities that there's a bunch of problems that we never thought we'd have. <laughs> yeah. To be like honest. What?
0: I mean, that that's why I like talking to you. Cause we always end up like designing or going through that, <laughs> that design process of identifying needs and then trying to figure out what, what's there. But what do you, what do you see now that wasn't, uh, wasn't there or got exposed?
1: Okay. I mean, well, just off the top of my head, look at, um,
0: uh,
1: what you you talked about just on the building design right so just look at all of the buildings how we access um, how we access to and from buildings Um, I'm sure there's going to be you know demands and requirements for you know some type of procedures and policies so that's another that starts rolling into HR and operations right so as businesses come back online how do their operational policies change? And then yeah. does the physical, physical plant change for those things? Do they need, I remember after 9-11, everybody went into building hardening. Everybody went into, um, you know, like, uh, you know, threat level security protocols. They brought in all of these security, you know, specialists, they, you know, then they had to fit the buildings. I mean, I, I see opportunities in that with health. How many people deal with, health type you know you know type of um, procedures mm-hmm. as far as like isolation virus control you know i mean um contact tracing all of those kind of things i think are not necessarily new new but i mean maybe having to be done at a level that um, you know it becomes part of everybody i mean uh, when we used to design labs, you have to do that kind of stuff, right? Yeah. <laughs> but but now it's like you you talked about like, hey, is just gonna roll over into how people design their house, right?
0: I yeah. Mean,
1: and that's everybody every day.
0: Yeah. I mean, I just right? think about, and I I, I was in what me- ate the mechanical contracting world for a hot minute. I've well, like I've been in every industry for a hot minute, which is terrible, but. <laughs> Was, that's good though. <laughs> but you know like think i was like when this thing hit the first thing i thought about was air because that's i've worked in that industry and i'm like man like the to have to figure out ways to do a lot more fresh air fresh air intake yeah. into into rooms you're not going to have people wanting to have such heavily recirculated air or if it's going to be recirculated how are you sterilizing or cleaning the air you know like all that stuff got into my brain and I was like, shit, if I was still working at at my old company, I'd be like killing it with like the UV light sales right now. I'd be like hammering (laughs) every, every building would be calling me up saying, Hey, we need like ultraviolet, you know, stuff for our HVAC system, but right. Right. Yeah. So, um, uh, no, I mean, yeah, look, I look think those,
1: that, look at those pest control guys. They want to repurpose their whole equipment and crew and stuff for yeah. virus control. I mean, different kind of pests, but same, I mean, yeah, it's, it's interesting.
0: Yeah. I think, I think just walking around and from what I've seen limited in the community, seeing a lot of like cleaning services, having to expand, um, you know, they're, they're going to have to expand their, their service because people are going to demand a higher level of of disinfecting you know at night or whatever a lot more play a lot of retail places now have tons more security and not necessarily for like because it's dangerous but at the door right letting people in checking temperatures stuff like that but yeah, i don't know it's a weird it's a weird time i i think food i always bring it up but i think food production is going to be a key thing we got to look at um I don't know man what else do you see how, how do you think this is going to change the travel because some of i know some of the people you work with is uh travel related how do you think this is going to change like what do you see happening not once they open up and say okay tourists you guys are welcome to come back in how do you think it's going to change
1: um well, one of the things things that just immediately off the bat again going back to how organizations you know reevaluating, you know what they're doing and on the comeback everybody gonna be cash strapped right so yeah um, conferences big business con- you know get together so on the travel side what would you know be called like that mice group right the meetings conventions you know incentive type groups yeah you know they they, they might not come back for a while because business travel they might you know companies might just say hey yeah, we're getting pretty good at this Zoom stuff, even though, you know, a lot of us have Zoom fatigue. Yeah. You know, we there's other ways that we can kind of do that and then maybe have smaller regional meetings or mm-hmm. other things like that. Um, so I think that's going to be a... I see that as kind of um, impacting us. And, yeah, because uh, I, I don't know the exact history of it because I'm not a historian on the travel side, but I always... Um, you know, aside from the wealthy during leisure leisure travel, you know, I always felt that a lot of the travel infrastructure was built on business. I mean, businessmen would be going, you know, using air travel, transportation to get back and forth to work and to meetings and, you know, um, regional corporate offices, yada, yada. Uh, now, you know, I mean, business class, right? Versus your economy. Yeah. That everything went, um, you know, into, uh, opening it up to every everybody so you had you know the travel and then um, and that kind of boom the leisure in that in that space and now it's kind of like the maybe the business guys might be some of the first ones out I mean you still have the high end leisure travelers right? I mean because they can afford to uh, probably pay for some of those safety measures and go to hotels that have procedures and have rooms that can do so they can feel safe and you know, do all of that. But you know, aside from that, like, oh, I, yeah. I think your everyday average vacationer yeah, might, you know, might think twice. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, I would have to assume you're talking about how, uh, well, yeah, see, I'm hard. I, the younger guys, I I'm, I mean, they're into the shared economy stuff. So ride shares, um, you know, Airbnb, that kind of stuff. Yet I kind of feel like me being on the cusp of being one of the old old guys and one of the young guys, I'm like right on the I'm right on the edge. (laughs) But part of me is hesitant to wanna participate in some of those services because you just, you know, maybe it's worth the extra money to go pay for the hotel. Um and feel feel like secure. But yet I think if I think put my brain into like a younger person's brain they might not have that concern as, as heavy, you know, they might still feel like, ah, well, you know, and still kind of risk it. So yeah, I don't know, you see, you see like that shared economy stuff still, because it was really transforming the travel industry. Do you still see that being a big player or you think it's going to kind of like ratchet back and we'll kind of go to more traditional hotels, um, that kind of stuff.
1: I mean, you, you know, I, I kinda agree with you. I mean, it's hard to um you know, these younger folks with their um their world view on you know on just they're just a lot more global yeah. anyway. And um, you know, youthful uh a youthful perspective that things don't you know the indestructible Uh, let them to do (laughs) to take chances more i mean so their tolerance for risk is greater right basically and they're going to go do that you know and go do those things it'd be interesting to see wholesale though how much you know how much with a lot of businesses and corporations uh how much low cost accommodations can be offered right yeah how much cheap fares and all of these things i mean you're trying to bring back the market but um yeah, it's a complex question. So will those will those younger guys jump on with <clears throat> as the market starts coming back because everybody's just trying to get market share back and you know diving on their prices? Yeah, probably they'd go jump around, right? And they go to yeah. that it's just just on price point. But once the market starts to stabilize and <clears throat> the market starts driving, you know, versus diving again, then I mean I don't think they necessarily want to just push on a low cost side, right? And then the the guys who have the money their demand is going to be a little bit different. I'd imagine. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Uh, I mean, I would have to assume that eventually there'll be, you know, as airlines were trying to squeeze in more and more seats into one plane, there's probably going to be a push the other direction, either regulatory or whatever. Just, you know, people aren't going to want to be breathing on each other and not want to buy a seat where somebody's breathing on them but that also means that the cost of the fare is probably going to go up right because right. you can fit only yeah. you can fit fewer people on the plane so you know right. i would have to assume that eventually the younger people who were able to ride this travel you know the last decade of you know traveling wherever they want and having wide open spaces it may be it may be a little less accessible to that the next group of younger people because it probably won't be as cheap, I, I would have to assume.
1: Yeah. And I would I would imagine even for a while. Um, I mean, look at how many places now not allowing US passports in, you know. I mean, now you yeah. got these country by country travel bans that shoot. I mean you know, given the nature of viruses and stuff or flus, even if everybody's so much more sensitive to um you know health and viruses i mean you could be uh it's not as stable I would imagine I yeah. mean, you, you're not gonna you're not gonna be able to access you know you cannot do the all my friends and I'm sure you you know your friends did it too when they're young you uh, know' you know uh backpack and a couple surfboards and they do the and some cash and they just go.
0: Wherever. Go,
1: oh, yeah. yeah, they just go hole hole. go walk about. I mean, because uh, so much places was open and available, especially yeah. having a US passport, right? It was good. Now, I mean, you gotta some places not gonna let you in.
0: Oh, we we have, right <laughs> we have the shadiest <laughs> passport right now. We have the shadiest passport right <laughs> now. Our passport yeah. is not welcome anywhere.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. So uh, So even if they wanted to go, like, Canada, yeah. they're not gonna be able to go, right? Uh, well, shucks.
0: Yeah, that's why I was super hopeful, you know, prior to our second wave, I was pretty hopeful that the, you know, we had Eric Takata on and we're talking about the corridor being reopened to Japan. I was pretty hopeful. I'm, I'm assuming now that got set back a bit, um, probably had a big setback with the second wave, but because um, I was gearing up to jet out of here man! i was like shit i gotta <laughs> i gotta get out of here for a little while this is too stressful but i mean now with this all this going on yeah who knows man and i'm guessing it's going to be less accessible um the world would be less accessible than it was you know even a year ago but yeah i don't know travel industry is rough we'll, we'll see what happens here um what else do you see? Any any other kind of stuff you see here that might be hopeful for our economy or stuff that we got to watch out for?
1: Um, like I said, hopeful for our economy. I think, uh, uh, like you said, I mean, I might be hopeless optimist, but I, I really believe in the people and there's something special about Hawaii and the people of Hawaii being able to rally together to, um, you know, to face challenges. So, you know, as, as we're going to have to grind it out to come back, uh, we're going to find ways to help each other out. And so, and that, I mean, to me, that's, that's the hope. That's what makes Hawaii special. That's, that's what, why I like to live here. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, as tough as it gets, I wouldn't want to be anyplace else than over here if we got to grind it out with folks. I guess that's what I'm, I'm saying.
0: I, I think I'm with you on that. Like, I, I think even more so now it's like I'm more invested here because I think I want to make sure it, it works. I'm not saying that it's all on me, but I want to help. I'm I'm really hoping that what will happen is that we'll start to see some real pockets, more pockets of businesses start to pop up, um, small businesses coming out of this. So people start thinking more re- um, locally, you know, like. I have a store right down the street that has what I need or whatever versus like got to go to like the big box store or got to go to the mall to kind of get stuff. Um, And I think the people who shifted to an online model will do all right. I mean, seems like the the restaurants and the businesses that could shift to like online ordering or some kind of online market seem to be doing all right as far as i can tell but yeah i don't know it's such a big mystery right now we'll see what happens
1: (laughs) (laughs) we're just gonna hang in there right i mean that's right. so
0: okay so switching gears you're part of aloha stadium well you're you're the man at aloha stadium
1: what's Uh, your role at aloha
0: stadium what's what's your role at aloha Uh, stadium
1: yeah i i have the privilege of serving on the stadium authority I guess that's yeah. a yeah a nine member board uh I was appointed under governor Abercrombie and then um now on my second term so um yeah it's it's, it's good fun so we you know, you know it's the board over the stadium yeah We're going through a lot of stuff right now at the stadium
0: yeah so update us on what ha- what's happening I just saw an article Guys, it's getting narrowed down to six six or something. Three. Okay. Three. yeah, three. three. I believe,
1: yeah, yeah. So I mean, well, pitch for the stadium. I mean, I, I, um, it's really interesting. I mean, for, you know, we always talk about sports. We all love sports. I love yeah. sports. I mean, I was, um, I, you know, that I, that's the field of dreams, right, for me, uh, particularly. Um, so you, and then being involved in architecture is kind of like an easy thing for me to kind of get involved with as far as the facilities. So. Um, I was hoping that I can contribute, do my uh, you know my civic duty. Mm. With, uh, it's a volunteer board, so you know, trying to work on that. But exciting things going on in the stadium, good and bad. I mean, it's forty-five years the stadium's been around, so you are yeah. kind of at that point. And interestingly, I didn't know, and a lot of people don't know, but the stadium and the stadium authority is um, a special funded. Uh, uh, group or agency means that we got to generate all of our revenue to operate. So, um, you know, if anything else is you got an aging facility, then the revenue generating opportunities decrease, right? Cause yeah, um, the games evolve functions, invo- uh, functions evolve uh, consumer tastes and market tastes evolve. All of those things evolve and you just got a 45 uh, year old stadium. And at the same time, Um, maintenance costs increase over time, right? Yeah. So as marketability drops and um, maintenance costs increase, you get to this place where, you you know, you you, you hit a a crossroads, a tipping point, and you say, like, you know, like, investing, money investing in this will probably be better spent, um, you know, in developing, right? Yeah. Yeah. So as architect, I always look at, buildings like bodies right so i was talking about young people early right when when you're brand new oh it's reckless you can just do anything yeah. you don't think about healthcare. <laughs> you don't think about anything because you, you you're resilient right yeah. like what maintenance costs like i hardly to go to the doctor right you know, and oh you start you start getting up in age it's like oh i don't know if i can do the things even if i wanted to right yeah, so it's yeah. kind of like we we all go through that and i think buildings kind of uh, go through that too so I think it's you know it's it's about time. Yeah. So uh, and and our primary mission at the stadium is you know to provide um, more or less a, a sports entertainment gathering place, a, a true community gathering place, and, and it's the largest venue in the state. So you know that that's you know that's what we need to be um, to not only hold you know big. Um, sporting events, but, you know, concerts and well. I mean, this past couple of years, we had killer concerts come through, right? Yeah. We Bruno and everybody. So that was fantastic. Yep. Um, so yeah, it was kind of interesting. Everybody kind of just thinks of the stadium as UH, right? This is UH's, and it is UH's home, but uh, we do over 300-something events a year. I mean, you got the bed, ri- I mean, you got the uh, great Lowe run, Um, the swap meets happening over there you got all the graduations 50th state fair a lot of stuff Mm -hmm. and uh uh, at the bruno morris concert it's kind of interesting i I don't know if too much people noticed this except for me but uh um when bruno was on stage and he was like yeah last you know i remember being you know being at the michael jackson concert and thinking to myself one day i'm gonna be up there and you know and i thought I thought to myself that's fantastic because that's what we want for our community and our especially our youth not just looking at the stands and looking at you know a you know a highly competitive football team and say hey one day I want to be over there and then maybe possibly go on to the next level but I mean even on the entertainment side right I mean it truly is something that we can build aspiration around so um and inspiration I guess so that, that's kind of like what we're about and in, uh, you know, given all of those challenges I mentioned before about the facility, we're just pushing to find ways to, um, yeah, I guess continue and sustain that, the mission and trying to approach it in a way that uh, maybe is a little bit more sustainable over time. Um, and that being that we have a whole site uh, 99 acres, uh, yeah, 99 acres of the whole football site. And um, instead of just looking at the stadium, we are looking at the site. Uh, a few years back, a um, really big milestone for us was that there was a uh, couple of deed restrictions by the city and the federal government on that site that um, re- restricted the use to recreational use only. Mm. So commercial ventures would be hard. To develop you know to generate revenue so um, very fortunate a lot of uh, good folks talented people um, um you know worked on that and that got lifted so now the the title is uh, and the use of the site is open so being a that we got a rail station right on the site as well um, looking at you know like a tod development sports entertainment district. So, you know, that's the vision, live, work, play, enjoy sports entertainment district where the stadium is an anchor and the rail station is another anchor.
0: Yeah.
1: And, um, you know, building that out over time to a place where, you know, possibly the um, revenue generation um, across the property, you know, supports the community benefit. Right. Yeah. Yeah
0: i mean it's it's looking like if you guys um are able to develop it with commercial partners then that revenue generation burden that you're talking about isn't just limited to having to sell out uh games right anymore or having big concerts right 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 Right. something a little bit more sustainable as far as cash flow
1: yeah and and i think uh Yeah, people were, I mean, I had a lot of people come and talk to me. Why you guys decided to bring it down to 35,000 seats? Why did you, you know, do this? And um, I I told them that I'm actually not, um, we might be looking at bringing down the seats, but we, um, we, we're expanding participation. That's what I kind of tell them. So mm-hmm. we might be bringing down a seat count, but we're expanding participation because the The fan experience now has evolved. It's changed, you know, tremendously. Yeah. Uh, Before everything was centered on the field, and you want that seat and how good your experience is to be as close or you know to the field. Now, it's it's a lot more than that. I mean, even I mean even even when my days, I mean, there'd be guys who come and tailgate, and they never go in the game because (laughs) they just want to tailgate, right?
0: Yeah, (laughs) I'm in that group. (laughs) <laughs> I'm in the so group. a couple of
1: you, you, you know, you know, you get 10 of them, five of them going to the game but five of them holding on the fort because they just want to tailgate, but they want to be around yeah. that environment. So that's nothing new, but you know, like uh, other places, I mean, maybe some guys want to be in a bar that's right next to the stadium. That's yeah. part of the buzz. Uh, they want to be, you know, in the area. They don't, they don't necessarily want to be right there in the seat. So if we can expand the possible offerings Or types of offerings that there are on the stadium property. I feel that maybe, you know, maybe during game day there'd be seventy thousand participants, but they're participating in you know thirty five in the stadium, but maybe another thirty five outside, right? Yeah. So,
0: I mean, I'll be honest. So I've been to, um, uh, well, it was called Quest, but I think it's called CenturyLink now, where Seahawks play. Yeah. I've been to two or three games there. And I probably my so two or three football games, my ass has been in that seat probably only for like fifteen minutes out of that whole (laughs) time, because usually like there's so many bars and the bars have good sight lines, so you can you can just chill, stand in the bar, stand up, and you still can see the whole game. And you might be actually and it was actually closer than our seats, but you know I I'm a I'm. I'm one of those guys, like when I go UH games, I love UH, I, I love watching the game, but a lot of times I'll go in, and then halftime comes, and it's like, okay, go back outside to, because beer is expensive, so we just go back <laughs> to the truck, but then I end up not going back in, and we just end up listening to it on the radio, and, and kind of being like that, but... I mean, it makes a lot of sense to me. I think, oh, and Aloha Stadium's long overdue for a a refresh. I mean, that thing is quite rusty. Uh yeah, it's, it's,
1: it's seen better days. Yeah, it did its yeah, time. Yeah,
0: yeah. I, I I played I played um both soccer states and uh baseball. My baseball state senior year was in in Aloha Stadium, but that's when it still could move. Like yeah, they could, could still move it. Yeah, yeah, they could still make it into a baseball field but right. um but yeah even back then this is what 96 that thing was rusty back then so i mean it's even yeah. more rusty now but um that was, that was of, awesome
1: you got to play in that configuration because after they froze it i mean you cannot yeah play baseball over there.
0: i think i think they froze it 2000 when did right, they froze right after
1: yeah right after you yeah, yeah. close that. right after you yeah
0: i just remember that park um and i had a good view from the bench too so it was was awesome but i just remember <laughs> that park being super short down the lines for baseball and like super yeah. deep like center field center field was basically like the you know the whole length yeah. of the stadium so it was like right. super deep down the middle and short on the sides but yeah it was fun uh first time playing on AstroTurf, which was nuts you know for an Hilo <laughs> boy that plays like typically on like soft soft kind of muddy fields usually <laughs> playing on astroturf was gnarly bro like like you you literally have no and that was like real astroturf not the not the field turf they use yeah. now it's like was like not cement rug, 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 burn, rug burns yeah. on everything yeah cement with the with the rug and like a little bit rubber underneath but oh that yeah. was 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 not soccer was even more nuts because when you cause you hit, you end up hitting the turf, right? Yeah. So it's, I mean, football is probably, was probably the same way. So I can, I can only imagine, I mean, what kind of, so back to the, what the designs that you guys are kind of going or what are you guys trying to integrate? Like what kind of commercial services are you, or commercial entities are you guys trying to make sure that get integrated into the new design?
1: So well, we, I mean, it's been going on for years and we've been, kind of um, chasing this vision. Um, the TOD, we participated heavily in the TOD's uh, work, you know, looking at every real station. So the Halava TOD plan has a bunch of mixed use on the site. Okay. Then what we did, what we did on our side was now we're kind of refining it. And um, we have, um, we work with DAGs. We're administratively attached to DAGs. So they put out a procurement Um, Got some consultants, and um, we're moving forward with you know public-private partnership um, endeavor to move phase what what we're calling phase one of the project, which is the stadium itself, phase one A, and then some mixed-use development, phase one B. Because I think the um, the feedback we got from the consultants was you know the market cannot absorb all of that development for the whole nine you know ninety-nine acres all at once. That's ridiculous. So. Um, What we want to do, our goal and our hope is to have um, the stadium with some mixed use tied to the rail station with enough critical mass to have, you know, to to be a destination space and then to have that catalyze, you know, future development of the rest of the site. So, um, you know, it's mixed use. So, you know it could be hospitality hotel some commercials week right now, like we was talking about earlier, yeah, um possibly some residential retail right um yeah. so you know hopefully it'd be kind of a fun dynamic place to go, so if you can imagine like um what was it downtown Disney you know that idea, yeah. or if you go to um L A Live, you know, down, is it uh, down by Staples Center? You know, yeah, I mean, L A Live by Staples,
0: yeah, it's pretty, f- right, pretty fun so, stuff. All kinds, all kinds of stuff going on.
1: Right, so yeah, that's that's kind of the the trend where you have these sports venues, but they're tied to, you know, other things that that keep the, you know, keep the area vibrant, not just on game day. So that's kind of the idea and the hope. Yeah, so the the RFQ went out. Um, we, oh, interesting. So, you know, um, we want, really wanted to engage the market. So we did this market sounding where before we even went out, we talked to, uh, you know, global market relative to development and say, hey, what do you want to see? Where's this direction? And we, the consultants helped us take that feedback and we crafted RFQ and we went out. Um, gosh, I, I forgot when we went out last year, but we got, six or five really highly qualified respondents, which is good because that's, um, that's telling us. And I think that the respondents came back after COVID. So which is really good in a sense that even despite this, the market still has high interest in Hawaii and the Hawaii product Mm -hmm. and participating with us in this development. So that's encouraging. And I think, um, again, I said DAGS is running the procurement. We don't, we don't we don't run the procurement, so we just get updates as to the you know the process. Um, and I believe, um, as you read in the paper, they're getting to the place where they're going to a shortlist for three, and then the shortlist uh, gets issued an RFP, and then they process the RFP to selection. So, all the stuff that you've been seeing in the paper, all of the concepts and things are in line with getting a programmatic master plan and running the EIS and all of that stuff. So. Um, What we're really looking for is the expertise in the market to tell us what they can build and what can sell and what can generate revenue because they're going to want to impact their bottom line. So we don't want to prescribe, you know, prescribe the solution so much that it, you know, really inhibits the market.
0: Sure.
1: Um, What we were really focused on and this is where the consultants came to the board, you know, was like just making sure the, the i guess the programmatic outcomes what do we want to see in the stadium is expressed clearly and then how they how they want to express that and how they want to do it is up to the developers right that's what they're going to be kind of evaluated on so that's kind of exciting i hope the expertise in the market brings back some really innovative you know innovative solutions right toward that end
0: yeah you think um now that we're in this covid era that changes at least the stadium design a little bit
1: um, that's an interesting question uh, on, on a last, um, on a last call, I, I asked that question and they said that, um, basically all of the experts came back and said, I don't know, cause they're still evaluating it now. Okay. <laughs> uh, so that, that, that's a difficult part in this. Um, yeah. part of me wants to believe that, um, sports and gathering is so much a part of our human make up that you know at some point in time as we live with this we're gonna have to find ways to I mean it, it is still going to be valuable yeah to have some place to gather and on the sports and entertainment side there's going to still be a demand you know to have those experience and participate yeah so I mean as far as the need um man I think the market's showing that too that you know that the, everybody's kind of um, forecasting that the need will still be there, um, but your question as to how will that change—I um, don't know. That that's a good, that's a good question.
0: I mean, the good part is at least we're at the point where um, you were we weren't already into the project, and then you have to you have to shift, right? Like, right? Imagine. Uh, L.A. Rams or the Las Vegas Raiders, brand new stadium that they're just standing up and opening day going to have zero people inside, right? I know,
1: right? right. right.
0: I, I can't, yeah, I can't, Im- I can't imagine that. I got, I, I well, I have to imagine that those developers are probably panicking because the the ROI isn't going to be there at least, yeah. Yeah. you know, for a while.
1: Right. And those I, I are mean, massive I think the stadiums.
0: Too. <laughs> they're yeah, they're massive,
1: too. <laughs> right? Right. And I, I think that's where that's where I mean, I think we have some level of comfort because we went down to thirty-five, right, from fifty. Yeah. Because you said that's that's more reasonable, and even within the thirty-five, there's flex and um, some of the operational, um, I guess, demands or asks that we had was that um, this Im- the stadium embraced technology, uh, so we interestingly enough we are i mean i had specifically asked about that or that that was something that i had seen um based on that um i mean we talked about with eric i mean the arashi concert right i mean yeah how you how you price out you know how you structure the finances for that event i mean it wasn't on the gate right it was so much more right Their dvd set this collector set all these yeah. subscriptions for this and you know all of these broadcasts out and you know and kind of that challenged me to look at our venue, you know, and I asked this question to the consultants or asked them to please consider this, you know, like what, how can we look at the stadium in a way that functions, that it's good for TV, you know, so that no matter how much people in there, it just, it just films well, you know, can we, can we be plug and play with for production people who come in that do this, whether it's a concert or, I mean, it just, it just looks good yeah and it just works well in that way um and so for me you know if if it still kind of goes that way you know so yeah you know, broadcast rights and all of that other stuff is going to be kind of important and you know being able for the stadium to just show well or for the users and the user groups to be or even the networks at that point in time like yeah I love coming to Hawaii it's just plug and play I got all this b-roll There's you yeah. know the stadium set up every no matter where you 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 know you set up everything it's just it just shoots great right to me, I think that's kind of i i don't know if um I don't know how many venues kind of designed around that you know uh, that put that up as one of the primary um design goals, but um I don't know we'll see
0: well, i mean you gotta imagine you have to think of it that way because i mean to get, other than UH, to get events here, um, it's expensive. So right. whoever's going to, you know, if they're going to do exhibition games or Pro Bowl or whatever, they're going to do large a concert. It has to have um, other sorts of forms of revenue besides the gate. And, and, you know, Hawaii people don't always show out, right? I mean, Bruno's going to sell right. out, but... I went to the Guns N' Roses concert. <laughs> it was nuts. It was good fun, but it definitely wasn't sold out. Um, it didn't yeah. feel like it. It was sold out. Um, it didn't feel super crowded, but you know, I'm sure they did okay. Um, but you know, it's 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 a different it's a different way of thinking about crowded spaces now, or design, or entertainment spaces, I should say. And maybe that's what we got to do yeah. with the stadium. You Got to think of it as an entertainment. Complex and not just a a sporting stadium. Maybe yeah, that's not just the, a field. Yeah. Right. Maybe, maybe yeah. that's the mindset shift that has to happen in order for people to be okay with uh, you know some of the the different ways that it's gonna go. Because I mean, you got people who had season tickets there for probably thirty years. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. you are yeah. not gonna want to see it change, right? Unfortunately, so. Right. So what's the yeah. timetable? If all goes well, say if, you know, COVID doesn't impact stuff, when, when are we still looking to have a, a new complex?
1: I mean, we were we were optimistically shooting for 23. That's probably out. I mean, COVID kind of take that out. So, I mean, you know, the optimistically shoot for 24, you know, season opener 24. Uh, we'll see. Um, we were still uh, – It'll be hard to say. I mean, it'd be easier to say if when we're on the tail end of COVID, but it always seems like we think we're on the tail end, and then we find out we're in the middle still. So yeah, that, that that's the. I mean, I think that's the variable that's hard to play right now. But I mean, twenty four would be kind of a nice. Just me personally, twenty four would kind of be a nice year, a nice number to shoot for, climbing out of COVID. You know what I mean? We. I mean, I talked about grinding it out. Like it'd be nice to kind of hang that and go like. Okay man, we gotta we gotta recover. We gotta build up to that, you know, twenty four. I mean, that seems like a reasonable timeline.
0: Yeah, it doesn't seem too unreasonable. Um, and it doesn't seem that far away where you, you cannot imagine having something done, you know, like new stadium like in my brain i thought you were going to tell me like 2030 i was like ah, yeah, 10 years to build that thing but <laughs> 24 i'm like oh okay that's that's not too bad I might i might i might see it you know relatively get to enjoy enjoy it for a couple decades before before you know <laughs> i cannot so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right on bro well see i told you the hour goes by fast. Once we start talking stories, it's it's not a problem. Everybody gets scared about trying to hit the hour, but I I tell them no, ah, easy, a, easy money, yeah, Brad, the hour. Brad. Well, Brad, I appreciate you coming on. Um, and then I'm sure we'll get together soon once once you know. stuff reopens. Because yeah, well, when was the last time I saw you and Eric? What was that? March? No, April. Somewhere around there. Yeah.
1: Mm, yeah maybe april april or may oh well, yeah? well, it, right yeah. it was right after
0: they reopened yeah. so, was right after they reopened so was the ending of may ending of may, may June or something. Like yeah that. yeah so it's been a few months but yeah bro um well appreciate you coming on and um take it easy and hopefully we see each other soon
1: yeah thanks for having me on i appreciate it bro yeah looking forward to getting together have yeah. that beer
0: all right uh, take it <laughs> easy
1: okay Alo. mahalo